0: What in the hell's going on? What the hell is going on? What the (laughs) hell is going on? I don't know what the hell he's talking about. You don't have to know what the hell is on it. What the hell's the matter with these guys? We don't know
1: what's going on. What the hell's going on?
0: Who in God's name knows what it's all about?
2: Hi, I'm Danielle Putka. I'm Artisan. Welcome to our podcast, what the
1: hell is going on? Mark, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on is the pandemic is coming to an end and the pandemic industrial complex doesn't want to let go. That's what's
2: happening. I can tell that you're fond of this turn of phrase already, but I got to tell you, you know, and I think a lot of people will understand this. There are a lot of good people out there who really, really just want Americans to be healthy and to recover. And there are no small percentage of people out there for whom this has become an almost insane religious experience in which the hand washing and the masking and the distancing and the isolation are signs of your virtuosity and likely pathway to heaven.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The reality is we got three vaccines approved. Okay, we've got the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines with just one dose are more than ninety, are like 93% effective in stopping you from getting the virus at all and 100% effective practically at stopping you from getting serious illness. These vaccines are going into people's arms. There is some increasing number of people who have natural immunity from having had the virus without even realizing they had the virus that is out there. And if you combine the vaccinated immunity with the recovering immunity, We are getting out of this pandemic. And there are people who have just become so attached to the power this pandemic gives them in controlling our lives and telling us what we can and cannot do. I mean, Joe Biden goes out and gives a speech and says, we're going to have enough vaccine for every adult American by May. Starting May 1, every adult can get in line to get vaccinated. And by July 4th, maybe if you're good, you can have a small barbecue in your backyard with a few friends. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on. The reality is we got to get back to our lives. That's what the whole point of the vaccine was. And how are you going to convince people to take the vaccine? Because there are people who are hesitant because they don't know its new technology, people aren't familiar with it, who might not take it because if you don't give them the promise of you can get your life
2: back, they're like, why should I take the risk if I can't have my life back? I think that's an element. Look, you know, I think that what we've tried to hew to on the podcast, as we've talked about this over the last year plus, you know, when we've had Scott Gottlieb on, we've had others on, uh, we had Monsef Slawi, who was the head of Operation Ward Seed, and I think the the line we've tried to hew to together is there is virtue in moderation. In other words what should you do? The least you can do is wear a mask. You and I both said it. The least you can do is wash your hands, stay away from other people, try not to infect them. But somehow, this world of extremes has taken hold. And you see this, for example, in the fight that's gone on between Florida and California. So, you know, here we have Florida man who does not do as much as perhaps uh, he should. And then you have California Man, who is, (laughs) unsurprisingly- (laughs) K.G. Newsome. Right. (laughs) Right. Who is, the Kim Jong-un is Newsome of COVID reactions. You know, schools are still closed, businesses closed, and- Beaches. And beaches. Right. Beaches. I mean, who the hell? God, don't get me started. And yet, Mark, you were looking at the differing outcomes in California and in Florida-
1: Here's the AP story. Virus toll similar despite governor's contrasting actions. Nearly a year after California Governor Newsom ordered the nation's first statewide shutdown because of the coronavirus, masks remain mandated, indoor dining and outdoor activities are significantly eliminated, Disneyland remains closed. By contrast, Florida has no statewide restrictions. And despite the differing approaches, California and Florida have experienced almost identical outcomes COVID nineteen case rates.
2: That just must be devastating to all of these Corona saints, because I can tell you, I was in Florida a couple weeks ago. We were on the beach. People were sensible. You know, people were wearing masks. I didn't see people in my hotel that weren't masked. People were not running up and kissing strangers. There was only one entrance to the beach, so that they could take people in and make sure you weren't bringing booze with you. Of course, (laughs) 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 coronavirus hasn't changed that. No Corona during
1: Corona. Exactly.
2: But this goes to a larger question and that is how much agency you want people to have and how much agency people believe philosophically should be handed over to the government. If you believe that the government should control every aspect of your life, what you say, what you do, who you look at, how you express yourself, where you go to school, where you live, and how much you hand over to them, then you're pretty good with the idea that they're telling you you can't have Thanksgiving with your mom. Yeah. If you're not that person, but you're still a sensible, careful person, you're starting to question what the hell is going on.
1: Yeah. And that's why you've tuned into this podcast. Uh, Look, the reality is we're not there yet, but we're really close to the end of this pandemic, or at least the end of the worst of this pandemic. And the interesting thing is, is that because we focused the early vaccinations on the elderly, the death rate is... Plummeting. So you've got all the pandemic industrial complex running around saying cases, cases, cases. And no, what we need to be looking at is the death rate, the hospitalization rate. And are people dying from this virus? Because at some point, young people getting the virus and having asymptomatic sp- uh, virus and not getting sick and not dying and not going to hospitals is not the same thing as when we had 15,000 people dying in a nursing homes in New York State in the early stage of this virus. And at some point, we've got to be able to Accept that COVID is going to be with us for a very long time. It's permanent. It's going to be part of our ecosystem. And we're going to have to learn to live with it. And we're not going to be living with it by not having indoor dining, by not letting our kids go to sports, by not being able to visit our grandparents and hug our grandparents. That's not living with the virus. That's living in fear of the virus. We have vaccines that are incredibly effective. We are so blessed to be living in 2021 at the moment when science has been able to vanquish this thing through vaccine technology that was unthinkable even a few years ago. It's giving us our lives back. We need to take our lives back.
2: So, to talk about this, and again, to talk about it in an intelligent and measured way... Unlike what I just said? (laughs) Usually, I would say that. But no, I think, you look, you were okay, and you're you're exactly right. You're exactly right. It's living with, not living in fear of, and that's the transition we have to make. Marty Macari has been writing about this in the pages of the Wall Street Journal, and he's going to join us to talk about how we can make a transition from fear to management. Martin, also known as Marty McCary, is an, uh, a surgeon. Uh, he's a best-selling author. He is a professor of public health policy at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. He's also a surgical oncologist, and he practices at Johns Hopkins. He's consulted with the World Health Organization. He's an elected member of the National Academy of Medicine. In short, Marty is a pretty serious physician. He knows what the hell's going on, and he's going to tell us right now.
1: Well, Marty, welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you, Mark. It's great to be with you virtually. So look, you had a great op-ed in the Wall Street Journal where you basically, the headline was COVID prescription, get the vaccine, wait a month, return to normal. Why can't the CDC say that? And what are you recommending?
0: I'm not sure, Mark, how infection control and epidemiology specialists ran the world or got to run the world right now. What do they know about poverty and education and public policy and suicide and substance abuse and deferred medical? So what we have is a group of folks at the CDC in their own little tunnel where they're only thinking about the virus transmitting. And it's, our battle is not against just virus replication. It's against valuing human life. And so what happened was when the CDC asks a bunch of infection control and epidemiology specialists hey, what can you do after you get vaccinated? Guess what? They tell you very little and they have 15 stipulations and conditions and it's so confusing that basically the public's gonna ignore it. People are gonna do what they're gonna do and I can tell you as a doctor, you don't always wanna just tell people what they can't do. You wanna figure out what they're going to do and tell them how to do that safely.
2: Let's just talk a little bit about the course of this, because one of the things that I think you highlight in this piece, but also in several other op-eds you've written, is you know the various dimensions of the disease, but also the fact that you think that more people have had it than realize it. And that goes a lot to the question of our ability to begin to reopen as well. Just talk a little bit about that from soup to nuts so people understand. Well, thank you. And thank you for letting me talk about this. This is something I'm dying
0: to talk about and it's so hard on the, on the brief sound bites of television. Immunity is not just vaccinated immunity. It's natural immunity from prior infection. Now, first of all, let me just say, vaccinated immunity appears to be more durable, okay? 10 years from now, that vaccinated immunity is gonna be better than natural immunity. But in figuring out when we're going to hit herd immunity, we've got to factor in natural immunity and the medical establishment has been dismissive of it. Fauci has basically been so dismissive of it uh, that his path to herd immunity is only through vaccinations, right? And you hear that over and over again. How many times has he said, we need to, and this is a quote, we need to vaccinate 70 to 85% of the population in order to reach herd immunity totally dismissive of natural immunity and people are wondering why biden's time frame is you know fourth of july and christmas well look who his chief medical advisor is i would love dr fauci to explain the california data that came out after my wall street journal piece talking about natural immunity plus vaccinated immunity and that data showed in in sort of just random sampling throughout California, massive study presented at California Medical Association by top scientists at UCSF. Okay, this study found that the percentage of Californians with circulating antibodies to COVID-19 was 38%. This was done back a month and a half ago. So just add to that the number of infections since then, add to that the fact that It takes a few weeks for antibodies to mount, and that affirms, if you will, that about half the country has natural immunity, and they're so dismissive. I'm so frustrated. I was watching an interview by the Journal of the American Medical Association. Okay, this is probably the ultimate in the medical establishment, right? Old-school thinking. And they asked the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, about natural immunity. And she, she basically kind of says like, okay, let, let's just say that like the skeptics are right and that it's say 20%. Well, guess what, it's, it's about 50%. And by the way, it's not just antibodies that give you immunity, it's T cells. I could show you study after study. Okay, here's the title of one of them. This is a study in nature, okay, one of our top journals. It's titled, Not Just Antibodies, B cells and T cells mediate immunity to COVID-19. That's the title.
2: So listening to you, I just I told Mark I wanted to interject here because, you know, at AEI, we have a, a lot of conversations about secular religion. And one of the striking things that has taken place in the last year is, you know, fewer and fewer Americans go to church and synagogue and mosque. Fewer and fewer Americans believe in God, but they look for substitutes. And what you were talking about reminded me of the granting of indulgences in the Middle Ages. Your only path to salvation is through this one thing that you have to do that, I have dictated. I mean, this is craziness that there's no national debate. Has there been a backlash to you for what you're saying about this that goes against the Tony Fauci orthodoxy? St. Tony. St. Well, Tony. Forgive gosh. me. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> it's funny.
0: We, uh, gosh, Mark and I, I remember, had these conversations uh, kind of in the green room before going on TV sort of early in the pandemic, just as it was starting. And remember, Mark, I was telling you, like, Dr. Fauci, you know, he got anointed to be a saint, Mm -hmm. but he has been very wrong. And we put our whole faith in stock in one man who missed the pandemic, failed to sound the alarm, never prepared us for the crisis that we hit. We got lucky on ventilators, but I was pretty upset. Then he was wrong on masks. He's wrong on schools. He's wrong on so many things. Look, he's a nice guy, but he's one doctor. And how he got to be got this title of our nation's top infectious diseases. How do you get that title, by the way? I mean, can I be our nation's top pancreas
1: surgeon? I mean... His serene highness, uh, Joe Biden, has granted it on him, apparently. <laughs>
0: <laughs> him and the media, I mean, every single week out there saying basically nothing. I've never once in my life heard Dr. Fauci say something that I've learned from, because he talks in such generalities. But anyway, I think a bunch of doctors, to answer your question have reached out to me i'd say you know of all the doctors that i talk to who i know and don't know or who reach out to me i'd say about two-thirds have said marty thank you for giving us the other point of view that's what i've believed and i haven't really had a, a voice and honestly you know i might have otherwise have been an outcast in this except that i've got some pretty big platforms being a tenured professor at johns hopkins um, having published 300 scientific peer review articles, being a member of the National Academy of Medicine, being a practicing physician. So if it weren't for those chops, I don't think this opinion would be out there. I think we'd be listening to the jama Ro- Rochelle Walensky conversation about sort of downplaying it and saying it, maybe, maybe it's 20% if those guys
1: are right. And so tell us, explain the theory. So there's the natural immunity and then it's combined with vaccine immunity, gets us to herd immunity pretty quickly. You, you wrote in February, we should be at herd immunity in April. Explain that and how it works and how are we getting there?
0: That's right. And it, look, it may be May, and I think we should all have humility in public discourse to say, look, we, we might discover something that is different from what we projected. And so, you know, we've got to have that openness, but look, we're right on track for herd immunity in April and May, it may be late April, but we've already hit herd immunity for healthcare workers. Why is that? Because just as you said, Mark, if you add vaccinated immunity, which is most healthcare workers have that now, and natural immunity, by the way, a lot of healthcare workers got infected. That's a lot of combined immunity. And same with nursing homes, they're about to hit herd immunity. North Dakota has basically hit herd immunity. I don't think anyone's reporting this, but they've had days with zero deaths. They had six straight days with zero deaths. And what I never anticipated was that that piece talking about how we're going to have herd immunity late spring and a normal summer became politicized. I had no idea because what was happening sort of, you know, I don't really do politics. And so what I realized was Congress was trying to jam this 1.9 trillion dollar spending bill in, in, the name of COVID. And here's some chump from Johns Hopkins saying, hey, COVID might, might be mostly gone soon.
2: <laughs> okay, so partly because I want it to, uh, and not because I have the scientific chops to actually judge. I want this to be true, uh, because I think that, uh, you know, for, for many Americans, the light at the end of the tunnel is, has become vitally important for a whole variety of reasons that you laid out. But let me ask you a question about this herd immunity then. So if this is the case, then why are the Europeans in such a bad place? They got hit harder than we did. Their second wave was worse than ours was. And they're all living, you know, on top of each other. And they're they're about to go into an, yet another lockdown. Why does this theory of herd immunity not work there? Well, first of all, they
0: have lower rates of natural immunity in the estimation of a lot of folks. Maybe they sheltered them better during their lockdowns, but they may have lower rates of natural immunity. Second of all, their vaccine rollout is much more delayed than ours. We're probably, you know, top three in the world in our vaccine rollout after Israel and the UK. And then if you look at the strains that everyone's so worried about, in places where they're common in the US look at Texas where you know 40% of the strain now is the B117 strain that's the UK variant so the UK variant look at go go to the UK i mean they're way down in cases go to South Africa where the B1351 strain there is the dominant strain cases are way down look i'm a little concerned about the brazilian strain it's really not that common in the united states and the modelers say it's going to be crowded out by other strains, so it won't dominate. And we gotta keep an eye on this New York strain. They've had a little persistent infection at a time when the rest of the country is plummeting. But either way, the vaccines seem to be 100% effective against those strains. That's the big story, and it's just a race.
1: So another comparison uh, that's been made, the Associated Press had a story the other day. The headline was, viruses toll similar despite governors contrasting actions and contrasting California, which has been under like the strictest Stalinist lockdowns you could possibly impose, with Florida, which has basically remained relatively open. And they basically have seem to have no difference in their COVID outcomes. Have I described that accurately? And what does that tell us about the efficacy of the lockdowns?
0: Well, I appreciate what you're getting at, Mark, and that is we've got to interpret things that we see in the data. You cannot, as a scientist, be intellectually honest and just ignore certain signals in the data. And, and that's basically what I tried to do when I observed a 77% drop in daily cases six weeks after January 8th, after our peak, remember? The, no one was talking about that. And I'd go on and say, hey, by the way, folks, cases are down 77%. And I think right now we've got to do the same with California and Florida. And the reality is that honest scientists that I know who are basically making these conclusions saying, look, we can learn from this data and we've learned about how excessive and restrictive you can be. We're gonna learn more about the downside of that, by the way, that research takes time to do. You saw a little sneak peek of that a week ago with the study that showed self-harm among kids, kids trying to hurt themselves and coming to the hospital was up 300% in parts of the country last year. So we're gonna get more and more of that, right? Um, sexual abuse, substance abuse, the hunger crisis, all of that stuff is gonna come out later and we're gonna look back and, and it'll be a dark chapter, but we've got to interpret that data and it made no sense to close beaches. What you know, where's humility in, in our society?
2: Well, you what, know, a, what where, a great what, question. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you about exactly that word. You tweeted out, You know, and, and I think folks are going to be listening to you and they're going to say, oh, he's just one of those conservatives, you know, those anti-mask, you know, come to the party kind of guys who hates lockdowns. No, I think that that would be an unfair rap. And one of the best pieces of evidence I saw was what you tweeted about Governor Abbott. And you used just that word, humility. What did you, what did you think when he pulled down the t- Texas mask mandate? Well, look, I, I get letting
0: capacity restrictions up to individual business owners. That's easy for them to enforce. And it depends on their ventilation and other things. But the strong anti-masking language that he put out there, I just thought it was premature. And, and I, if I were advising him, I would have advised against it. Look, I know people always want to peg you, right? They listen. They're like, hmm, maybe I like this guy, Marty, but wait a minute, is he one of us or is he one of them? I wrote the first article in the New York Times of all places on universal masking way back in April, and I basically said, "Look, we've got to have a semi-open society, and we can do that if we just mask."
1: This is so what Dr. Fauci was saying: "You don't need one, right?" <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he was late to the party.
0: He's, you know, he's one of these guys that you know, you have a birthday party, and he shows up at like 11:30 with, you know, a bottle of wine, and everyone's leaving, and you know. <laughs>
1: Nice guy. You feel bad for him. You've pointed out this weekend that we could get to a point where we're going to still have cases, but zero deaths, right? Because the vulnerable population has been effectively vaccinated. It has immunity either through natural immunity or through vaccinated immunity. And the pandemic industrial complex, those are my words, not yours, is going to keep pushing for restrictions because they found this excuse to exercise power over people's lives, and it's addictive. I mean, are we? How are we going to break this country free once we've beaten the pandemic? How do we beat the pandemic industrial complex that wants to run our lives?
0: Well, your prediction is perfect, and exactly what I, I've drafted an article to say that exactly this, and it's titled "America's Next Big Argument." Now, I write for therapy sometimes, so I don't even know if this will get published, but. It's basically saying, look, here's, here's what's going to happen. Cases are going to linger. They're going to persist. Even though hospitalizations go to plummet to almost nothing, deaths are going to plummet. I mean, we've immunized now 65% of everyone over 65 years of age. And we're hitting states like New Mexico. Heck, one in three adults walking on the street has received a vaccine. And then you add to that the natural immunity, which like we said in California might be 50%. We're doing pretty good. So what's gonna happen is, and and watch, watch, this will happen. Hospitalizations and deaths are gonna plummet over the next two months, but some cases are going to linger. Do you know why? We're still gonna have cases and it's young people. Okay. It's because they're last in the vaccine line. It's that simple. Some of them feel sort of the moral hazard of being inappropriately liberated because they perceive, you know, this is over or they're sick of it. Either way, young people are going to comprise the cases that linger into May and maybe even into early June. And you're going to have those who want this pandemic to keep going, believe it or not. There's folks, I don't know if they just want to be right, you know, they entrenched in their position, they've had these models, they're the so-called experts, and they're gonna point to those cases and say, we can't change anything, we have to stay locked down because these cases are a real public health threat. But you know what the truth is? Those are young people with asymptomatic cases or mild cases the vast majority of the time. And that's the argument that we're about to watch take place in May is the significance of those cases. We already saw the CDC did it two weeks ago, if you remember. They said they saw an uptick in the data and they warned everybody, right? And the CDC director said, we've seen this movie play out before. No, look, it's a different movie, okay? It's a different movie theater because there's fewer people susceptible and the cases now are younger and they're getting younger and younger. And the uptick was not an uptick, it was delayed reporting because of the Texas ice storm.
2: So this sort of jump on anything and, and create this fear, I don't think is productive right now. So final question for me. And I think it's, you know, you've been talking a little bit with Mark about the path forward. But what I liked about one of your most recent pieces was you, you really talked about a plan. And as you said, you know, it's one thing to tell people what they can't do. And this has really been the year in, in which A lot of closet dictators have reveled in the idea of their control over people's lives. Never, never before in the history of man has your maitre d' had so much control over your life in a restaurant. (laughs) But you actually laid out some ideas for what we could do. So what's your sort of 10 commandments of a return to normal life in a sequenced and intelligent way?
0: Well, I think the formula is pretty simple. Get your vaccine. I would for personally recommend people get a single dose and delay the second dose to about 12 weeks until we're no longer supply constrained. That's a policy we should have adopted a long time ago to get incredible protection from the first uh, dose in the short term. And I would, if you've had COVID, step aside in the vaccine line and let other people go first. Let's get people protected. One dose is better than none. After you have a first dose, give it four weeks for the vaccine to kick in and then live a normal life, okay? It's that simple. If we can be clear with our messaging, people are gonna understand it and follow it, not like the vaccine allocation guidance the CDC gave us two weeks after the vaccine was out there and said, oh, you know, group 1C and 4B and 6Q, you know what, just go by age, it's simple. And we would have saved more lives like the UK. And so i say, get your vaccine, give it four weeks, live your life. For the next several weeks, I think it's reasonable for people just to continue to wear masks when they're in a crowded indoor public gathering. It's just too hard to enforce a sort of selective masking policy. That's what business leaders say. And we're almost at the, at the finish line. Look, we're going to have to be vigilant for the fall. We may have to be ready to uh, flip the switch on and get our masks out of the closet Maybe. We'll see. We'll see.
2: I'll try to be honest uh, at that time. I won't be able to do that. I'm going to have such a giant (laughs) bonfire of the (laughs) everywhere in the corners (laughs) of my house.
0: I've been wearing a mask my whole adult life as a surgeon. And it's kind of funny to hear these conversations now. But Um, It may be a brief thing that we ask people to do selectively. Asian cultures have done it selectively. If you think you might have had symptoms or a cough or you might have been around someone or you're worried, then you wear a mask. And if you don't, you live your normal life.
1: Final question from me, just because there's two types of vaccine hesitancy. There's one, there's the hesitancy of people who don't just don't trust vaccines and are, are worried about it. But that's not the one I want to talk about. There's a sort of a hesitancy to return to normal life among people who are vaccinated because they're not quite sure what the vaccine is going to do for them. For example, Okay, so let's say uh, Pfizer or Moderna, ninety four percent effective, even on the I think it's ninety two percent after the first dose. Is that right? That's right. Okay, so that means ninety two percent that I'm not going to get COVID at all. It's almost a hundred percent that if I do get it, it's going to be very mild. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it's a hundred percent effective in preventing death. Okay. Uh, after four weeks.
1: And so then, you know, people are saying so okay, but if I can get it, can I still carry it and give it to other people? There was an Israeli study that came about that, if you could talk about that. And also, you know, people are worried about, there's a lot of things, this COVID is such a weird virus compared to flu and other things, in the sense that it's not just respiratory, it causes blood clots, It causes it's caused neurological problems, they've got the long haulers who are having these long-term effects. Does the vaccine protect you against that?
0: Yes, it does. And thanks for bringing that up, Mark, because I think some people have asked themselves, do I just get the infection, or do I get the vaccine? Maybe I'll just get the infection, like we used to do with chickenpox. Well, you want to get the vaccine. The vaccine's about 50,000 times safer. You don't want long haul symptoms. You don't want to run the risk of being in, a, in an ICU. You want to get the vaccine. We want as everybody to get this vaccine. Get a first dose for now. If you're really worried about it, get a first dose, and you know maybe give it three months for the second dose. We want everyone to get the vaccine, but you're thinking about it right. The Israeli studies show that you really don't transmit it once you get the vaccine. Once you're four weeks out from that first dose of the vaccine, the risk of asymptomatic disease was less than 6%. Like, there's a million viruses in the world, and most of them live in the animal kingdom, and a few have crossed over, less than 1% crossed over into humans. We're never going to extinguish viruses from planet Earth if somebody asks me, hey, if I leave my home, can I get bacterial meningitis? The answer will always be yes. Right. But the risk, the risk is so minuscule. It's low enough that the risk of profound isolation and loneliness is far more likely to kill you. And I think at this point, we've got to recognize
2: that people are dying from the epidemic of being isolated. Those are wise words indeed. I wish we were able to have an intelligent national debate about this as opposed to those who have got that old time religion and the apostates, which is what it is basically come down to. You've been terrific. And I hope people listen to, I think, your cautious encouragement. That's where we should be now. Uh, and I think, you know, people should absolutely get back to their lives. Amen to that. Thank you, Marty. So I think the thing that has not gotten enough attention, and I know that once the orthodoxy accepts the notion that we can talk about anything post-COVID, it will get a lot of attention, but it deserves it now, is the cost of these shutdowns, is the cost, is the impact. And the drug use, the alcoholism, the the isolation, the loneliness, the the fear, and and that's just in my house.
1: (laughs) That predated the pandemic, Danny.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. No, seriously, the rise in suicides, especially among young people, this has had an untold cost on people's lives. And I would say that there has been something that could almost be characterized as indifference on the part of the authorities about that impact.
1: No doubt. And also people not taking care of other medical conditions, people who missed their cancer visits and screenings and put off treatment because of this. One of the things that Marty said that I think is exactly right and really struck home with me is that you've got these epidemiologists in their silos who've been told you're in charge. We're going to listen to the scientists, right? Well, you know what? That's not the whole of the policy, and that's not the whole of the issue, right? If you said to America, let's say COVID never happened, and you said to the epidemiologist, how can we stop the seasonal flu? Well, we could lock down the whole country and we can uh, all wear masks and wash our hands and not have indoor dining and all the rest of it. Well, guess what? We've succeeded in defeating the seasonal flu this year with all the methods that are involved in right. COVID, but right? But are you going to do
2: that next year? Were you going
1: to do that next year? Exactly. And so, okay, early on in this pandemic, we didn't have the hospital capacity. It was killing older people and people in, in large numbers. When you get to the point where we have the ability to get the death toll down to pretty close to zero, at that point, the epidemiologists aren't the ones who are in charge anymore because it's not just that issue. We had to do all those things early on because we didn't know enough about the virus, because hospitals were being overrun, because it was killing a lot of people. We didn't have the vaccines yet. You know, We will be able to go back and look at whether these lockdowns were really effective. The California versus Florida thing is really interesting. Um, and it's going to take a long time to figure out whether all these lockdowns were useful or whether we ended up destroying millions of people's lives and jobs for nothing. But now we know going forward with the vaccines, when we can get the death tolls down to almost zero, when COVID is still going to be in the ecosystem, but is not going to be dominating the ecosystem, then at some point we have to start letting go and letting people rebuild the economy, rebuild their lives.
2: Well, amen to that. And again, you know, we should be allowed to have a normal national conversation about this. It shouldn't be dominated by fanatics on either side, crazy people who are anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers versus fanatics who think they should live their lives in a plastic bag.
1: But also people who got it wrong. I'm sorry. When we look back on this and we do our sort of, you know, how the military always does an after-action report... We're gonna to have to do an action or action report on this on this pandemic and how we did what we did wrong, what we did right, because it's gonna happen again because there's no doubt some other virus is going to jump into the human ecosystem like that. The public health experts screwed this up royally. Okay? And the World Health Organization,
2: the, don't forget them.
1: Yeah, but I mean the CDC. They wouldn't let private labs do tests. They screwed up the testing and contaminated the test kits. They used a flu surveillance system in the first six weeks of this thing, they looking missed the for spread. Love in all the wrong places. They were looking for love in all the wrong places. They were waiting. They were just waiting for people to present in hospitals with respiratory disease because that's how the flu presents and this was spreading asymptomatically and so they thought oh no big deal there's nothing i mean you can go back everybody's been running around with all these and i want to bring trump into it because i know that sets you off but everybody's been running running around with their worst trump quotes from this time last year where are the worst fauci quotes from this time last year where are the worst dr redfield quotes from this time last year because all of them were saying very low risk for america do if fauci said if you want to go on a cruise Go on a cruise if you're young and healthy, but if you're older, probably not.
2: You know, here's a word to the wise: don't go on a cruise ever.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) no, we got to bring back the cruise industry, Danny. You have your vacation choices; others have others. But the point is that we're listening to the people who got it wrong about when we can live our lives again. Right?
2: People don't have, and that's that's why Marty said humility
1: exactly. And and so you know, thank God we have people like Marty with some humility who are willing to call out the people who got it wrong and tell us what we can do.
2: Join the conversation, everybody. We really we know there are strongly held feelings about this on lots of parts of the spectrum, and we're always delighted to hear from you with ideas, suggestions, subscribe, review, send it to your mom, send it to your dad, send it to your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your enemies. How about
1: this? Sit together with your grandparents and listen to it together. There you go. In get. person.
2: Not just on July 4th. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Take care. And our team here at AEI is Alexa Santry, Matt Winesett, Jen Moretta, and Macy Heath.